Welcome to the Monetary Mixtape with Will Hoffman, founder of Hoffman Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help fellow Gen Xers simplify complex wealth issues that are important to Gen X. We do this by cutting out the mundane material and using a refreshing approach to finances in a way this skipped generation appreciates. Join us for this ride where we explore financial planning and wealth management as Will Hoffman draws from almost 20 years of experience and brings to you qualified guests to help be your latchkey to tricky monetary affairs. Welcome to Monetary Mixtape with your host, Will Hoffman, where we talk about the ever-forgotten Generation X. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Will. How are you? I'm good. How are you today, Wendy? I'm good. We have a guest amongst us. We do. We do. And, and, and it's something that I remember vaguely dealing with when I went to college. You know, my folks kind of handled most of this, but... It's something that our clients are, are clamoring uh, for help with. Um, it's something that our generation, uh, the Generation X is going through with their children right now. And it's something that's very timely given the deadlines and things um, and, and kids making their decision on college. But as, as, uh, as we cover all things financial and wealth management for Generation X, we want to make sure we're addressing not just saving for college and accumulating, but when it's time to apply for and pick your school and save on college. So we have a, a, a very special guest, uh, the FAFSA guru, Tina Steele is with us all the way from Maine. Hi, Tina. How are you today? Hi, Will. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us. This was, um, you know, doing research for our podcast and, and really for for our clients, I, I came across your YouTube channel, and it is robust with information and tips and tricks and things on on filing the FAFSA. And this is going to be the first part of our education planning series. Um, and the reason why we wanted to do this first is because there are deadlines when it comes to the FAFSA. Am I right, Tina? Yes, there are. They do vary from college to college and by state, but now is the time families really should be focused on getting that done. Right. So we we want to get that that information out. Um, well, and, well, and get information out ask, quickly. Yes. What is FAFSA? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We have the guru herself with us, so we'll let her answer this one. Please sure. Tell yeah. So the FAFSA stands for the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. And this is the form that any student is going to fill out to apply for federal financial aid to help them pay for college. It's a form that they have to fill out every single year. And if they are considered dependent, which would be under 24 years old, typically, they need to also provide parent information. So in order to access financial aid, they have to fill it out. Got so this it. is something that not only parents of high school seniors or, in, or uh, outbound freshmen, but every year that you're in college, this form is, is necessary, correct? Every single year, whether you're a traditional student just heading out of high school or a non-traditional adult student that's going to college. So, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and before we get too deep into this, uh, a little bit about yourself, Tina. What, what led you into this direction to, to have such a passion around the FAFSA and, and, and to learn so much and know so much and want to share all this information? Sure. Well, 
I did not have the traditional college experience myself. I kind of grew up, I'm a first generation college student. So I grew up in a house where my parents weren't really aware of the financial aid that was available to help pay for college. So it wasn't really something that was talked a lot about, or, you know, if I was going to go, it might've been locally at a community college or something like that. So I right out of high school landed my first job working in a college financial aid office. And I quickly realized how passionate I was about helping students kind of pursue their passion. So that kind of jump-started my career. Then I attended college myself as more of a non-traditional student. And, you know, over the next 30 years, worked in the public at the public and private college level in the financial aid office in a number of roles, helping award financial aid and verification and, and reviewing financial aid appeal letters. And I quickly saw a gap between the needs of families and the and what was available for help, whether you know it was an 800 number, people in the financial aid office are super busy, so you can right. only offer so much help. So I wanted to go off on my own and offer a service where I could help families navigate that process a little bit more in depth, but also help them you know, access all the financial aid that they're entitled to and realize what's out there and available. Yes, and, and through our... Um our college funding solutions program. Um, it's not just for folks that think they can't afford college. Correct. I mean, there, there's financial aid and resources available at all income spectrums for all types of students and all different types of, of courses and in, in colleges and universities. Correct. Absolutely. I recommend that every single student apply for financial aid and fill out the FAFSA form for a number of different reasons, even if they don't think they'll qualify, because they will qualify for some type of financial aid. How, how do you do what you do? How do you, how do you work with students? What, tell us a little bit about the process of, of what you put a, a student through or a family through when it comes time to work with you. Sure. So I offer a number of programs, some standalone digital courses, but my signature program that I'm really known for is my Financial Aid Academy geared for parents of high school seniors along with high school seniors. I run it every single year. It spans the entire senior year from September through May, and it's a group coaching program where I help students and parents navigate the process, ensure that they are filling out all the forms that they need to, and they're also accessing, accessing all the different types of financial aid that they're entitled to because there, it's not just the FAFSA. Some colleges require what's called the CSS profile for institutional scholarship money they award. And there are thousands and thousands of dollars in outside scholarships out there available too. So I really spend time educating parents and students as to the affordability of college, how colleges determine financial aid offers, and then help them navigate the process to make sure that they're really getting the best financial aid offers that they can. And you, how, how do you deliver this? Do you deliver this digitally? Is this a, yes. a classroom uh, yes. environment? So how do you do this? Sure. It's a digital course format where there is new content released every single month for families to access on demand, along with a live monthly webinar. And depending on the level of service families enroll in, there's an exclusive email they can use to ask me and my team unlimited questions at any time throughout the senior year. And I also do provide individual consultation services for families as part of this program and then as a standalone. What us business owners um, are always looking to do is to fill those gaps of, of things that you know we can see the need and think that we can deliver something. So, so what you've created sounds amazing. 
Um, and it sounds like something that Gen X parents themselves are, are utilizing like crazy right now, right? Absolutely. You know, I think what happened was when I first started this business, I realized within the first year, the majority of people calling me were parents of high school seniors. And they were calling me in March and April of their child's senior year after the financial aid offers come out in sheer panic because Mm -hmm. they weren't going to be able to afford the education. So that's why I started this program to begin working with them at the very beginning of the senior year to make sure there's no big surprises when those financial aid offers come and that they understand what to expect and then, you know, give them the little loopholes and tips and strategies they need for really getting the most out of their financial aid. Right. And one thing that I'm learning uh, through our, our collegiate solutions program is even though the FAFSA has a deadline, parents don't need to rush or students don't need to rush into making the decision on what school they're going to go to or um, or committing to that school without understanding what the schools are going to offer or what financial aid is going to be available. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, students have until May 1st to decide which college they're going to. And and what I see happen a lot is they make the mistake of thinking by listing the college and putting it on the FAFSA and submitting it. They're saying they're really interested in it when they don't know right now, or they think they need to apply to all these colleges and get admitted before filling out these forms, which is not the case. So they have plenty of time. They should apply to all of the colleges they're considering so they can get a financial aid offer from all of them and then compare before making a decision. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing I'm learning is that, you know, some schools, they're looking for students uh, more aggressively than other schools. So there are there's um, even opportunities for students to negotiate, if you will. These schools want students. Right. And that would be through what I, you know, call or consider a financial aid appeal. I I don't like to use the word negotiation because there's. There's a real, um, when parents and students are appealing, they have to be very, very humble about it. The way they write a letter and the tone they write it in can make all the difference in terms of them getting additional money versus a student. So yeah, so they can, any student can appeal their financial aid offer and I recommend all students do it. And this is part of your program that you help them word that letter appropriately um, so they're not... Yes. Uh, you know, going in like they're going into a car dealership to negotiate a price. Right, right. We have a whole month kind of devoted to that. And then I provide okay. them with an outline and everything. Yes. Wow. So what um, folks that, that you don't work with that, that come, maybe come to you in a panic, what mistakes do you see that they're making um, that it may be too late so that somebody listening to this knows that I need to, to do this and do this now and before it's too late and I do make a mistake and leave some money on the table? I think one of the biggest mistakes is not educating themselves initially to better understand what financial aid is all about and how it works. There's a lot of students and even parents that assume because the student is high achieving that they're just going to get great merit scholarships and and it's a done deal, but that's not the case. So there's a lot of assumptions that are made, not enough education, not enough kind of preparation and preparing for the process. And then the other big mistake I see them make would be missing important deadlines. You know, all these schools have priority filing deadlines to get the FAFSA and CSS profile submitted in order to be really considered for the maximum amount of financial aid. I see families miss this. And then I see families who just think that they're not going to qualify for financial aid. They don't fill out the FAFSA, which is another huge mistake. So those would probably be the top three. Because if you don't, I mean, the FAFSA is asking, right? If you don't ask, you don't get. 
Right. And and here's the thing, even if a family makes a lot of money, you know, they can appeal their financial aid offer, but if they don't fill out the FAFSA, they don't get a financial aid offer to actually appeal. They have to go through that process first. Gotcha. So, um, Wendy, you're, you're going to love this, um, you know, in preparing for the show and, and, you know, explaining what, what we do here at the monetary mixtape and, and our passion on generation X and the wealth management issues, um, that, that we're uh, embroiled in every day. We like to talk about the pop culture. Um, well, we had a request this time, so it didn't, it wasn't our idea. We had a request from Tina to discuss a little bit about her favorite part of, of Gen X growing up in Gen X and, and the Gen X pop culture was Fraggle Rock. <gasps> oh, I can't even hear it without the theme song. <laughs> as soon as she emailed brain. me, I emailed her back and said, now I'm singing the theme song. It was on all day. It turned, it came on on the television yeah. in our office um, <laughs> be, and went home and watched it, introduced my boys <laughs> to Fraggle Rock last or a couple nights ago. So yeah, Tina, why, why the passion for Fraggle Rock? I, you know, it's so funny when you watch it now, right? Like how different it looks, you know, with the graphics and everything, the way that yeah. the way television is. It's almost like watching um, Land of the Lost. Yeah, right. but it was just like so <laughs> uplifting and funny and just so out of like the ordinary. It was just kind of like the the beat itself and the music was just mm. one of those things, you know, it was just something that I looked forward to to watching growing up and, and something that I really enjoyed. Well, it's I'm it's from one of actually like like red today. I think yeah, I was going to say, who was your favorite Fraggle? Oh gosh, I <laughs> I can't even say I had a favorite. I should. I loved them all. What about you? Me, yeah, I, I was a Boober guy. I like Boober. Um, <laughs> he was the main guy, right? Right. Well, he yeah. was no. He was the guy with the hat over his face. Oh, that, oh, that okay. had the hat slimmed down. Uh, Gobo Gabo was the the main character in Red. It's, yeah, uh, it's been so long. So funny. I know trying to remember all of them. Right? Well, and and like everything Gen X has been, Fraggle Rock was rebooted at the beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. It was, it was I didn't Fraggle even know Rock that. Back to the Rock was rebooted um in January of 22. What um, channel? Um on, Will. Let's go. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> gonna, well, it was originally on HBO, so I would imagine it, Apple TV. Released oh, on Apple TV. Awesome. I have Apple TV. Apple Ooh. TV was released. There were holy cow, there were 13 episodes. Wow. That were rebooted. I'm gonna have to check uh, that out. Yeah, me too. So <laughs> I knew I liked now TV your weekend right plans are set. To get <laughs> exactly. caught up on binge watch Fraggle Rock. I love it. <laughs> and, what else could we do in the winter? Right. Right. That's it. Right. Well, and, and I want to go back and watch a lot of the original episodes because I, I want to real I want to see. And maybe it's covered in the reboot. I haven't been able to watch it yet, but what, what were they building? Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Monetary Mixtape because you want to learn about financial planning and wealth management. If you have any questions at the end, please head over to www.hoffmanwealth.com or look in the show notes to schedule a call with us. Remember, there's always that activity with the doozers and the... And the, the- yes. The, mm-hmm. the the you know their stuff was made from radish it, it wasn't radishes like a big thing with the with the fraggles but i, w- I want to know what they were building and if they ever completed it <laughs> i can't help you out there 
but but I remember Fraggle Rock. It was right when HBO was introduced, mm. um, and from Gen X is one of Gen X's greatest creators, creators Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he wasn't a Gen X, um, he was you know he impacted Gen X with with the, the Muppets, Muppets, yeah, Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, and you know unfortunately left us way too early, but. Um, one of one of the greatest creators uh, of that impacted our generation. So I was excited. I know you'd be excited to to talk a little bit about Fraggle Rock. And um, thanks for the for the input, it, uh, Tina, and 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 the nostalgia for the contribution. Yeah, and, and <laughs> now hopefully all of our listeners are rushing to Apple TV to, to get caught up on that. <laughs> sure we should be getting gonna paid, be... <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sure the song's going to be stuck in all their heads now. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. Well, now though. it's it's there's got to be an artist that takes the song and makes makes like a a top forty hit out of it though, right? Get yeah. some auto tune behind like it. That and... should be like Miley Cyrus, maybe right. Ariana Grande. That sounds like it's up their alley. Yeah. So, when it comes to the, the financial aid pack, we talked a lot about filling the form out. How do colleges determine their aid packages? What are some of the biggest things that impact um, the aid package that that a school will offer? So income, they gauge it based on prior year income, and they're going to take a look at the the adjusted gross income of the parents, if the student's dependent, which would be most of the Gen Xers we're talking about, and the student income. And along with assets that they own, if only a FAFSA is required, there are a few protected assets that don't need to be reported, which includes the value of your primary home you live in, the value of retirement accounts, and the value of a business if you have less than 100 employees. But if you're required to fill out a CSS profile for a college, there are no protected assets. So income and assets really are the driving force behind okay. you know, colleges determining financial aid offers. And you had mentioned already that that if parents are making you know nice incomes, it's still worth filling out the FAFSA um, and, and submitting that document. What about and you know we're taking you know, a, a look at income and, and jobs and, and side hustles. And, and you know, Gen X is, is notorious for the side hustle and, and having, you know, multiple sources of income. Um, but let's say that side hustle was something you eliminated and your income is going to be less this year than it was in previous years. You're using 2021 data right now to fill out the FAFSA. Right. Because 2022 tax returns. Well, if, what if your income was less in 2022? What, what what do you do with that form or how do you um, demonstrate that to the university? So this would be considered a special circumstance, which all college financial aid offices take into consideration. So you would reach out to the college financial aid office and let them know about this, typically through a financial aid appeal letter or navigating to their website and typing in financial aid appeal or special circumstances, because every college has a form in place where families can report this information. So they would ask families to project what their 22 income is. They would send that information back into the financial aid office, and then they have the authority to recalculate the information on the FAFSA and the family's expected family contribution. So they can use that 22 place in 22 income in place of 2021, which is really important something that a lot of families miss. So I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. And we, we had talked about FAFSA is important every year um, that you're in school. Uh, what about graduate students? Is the FAFSA important for graduate students? Yes. Now, 
financial aid is more limited for graduate students. The majority of uh, financial aid available would be through the federal direct student loans. Graduates can borrow up to $20,500 a year to help pay for their education. Okay. But they can't borrow this loan unless they fill out a FAFSA. So it's very important that graduate students fill it out also. Okay. So if you're going back to school after you've entered the workforce for a graduate degree, mm -hmm. um, important to fill out also. Yes. Um, and we talk about all FAFSA and, and, and filling out the applications and getting an aid package, but what are we actually applying for? What what are we asking for or telling the, the schools um, when we fill this form out? So when you fill out the FAFSA, you're applying for grants and scholarships. So federal grants that the government offers that are based on income. So these grants tend to go to families who show more of a financial need along with institutional scholarships. A lot of colleges determine how much of their institutional scholarship, need-based scholarship they're going to award based on FAFSA information. In addition, students are being considered for federal work study, which allows them to get a job working on campus and they can earn a paycheck for the work that they do. They can then use that income for incidentals while they're on campus or choose to have that money go directly towards their student account and pay their tuition, their tuition bill. And then the last type of aid would be the federal direct student loan, which is a loan that every single student can get to help them pay for college that's not based on credit and the amount that they can borrow increases with each year that they're in school. So this is a low interest loan that doesn't come due until after graduation. And then there's one other loan, which would be the parent plus loan, which parents can actually take out on behalf of their dependent student to help them pay for college. So in order to be considered for all those types of financial aid, you have to fill out the FAFSA form. Okay. And who fills it out? Is it the parent? Is it the student? You know, if the, if the student is independent, do they need to fill one out? How, how does that work or who, who makes that decision? Yeah, so the when you start filling out a FAFSA, so, so every student typically starts filling it out. Every student has to get what's called an FSA ID, which is a username and password that will allow them to log in, begin filling it out, and they're going to determine whether they're dependent or independent. Dependent would mean that they do need their parents' information on the FAFSA. So, you know, it happens a number of different ways. Students will fill out their section, then parents can log in with their FSA ID and fill out their section. A lot of times students and parents do it together. Sometimes parents will go in and kind of fill it all out, you know, themselves. You just have to sign it electronically with both the student and the parent FSA ID. But if okay. the student's independent, and does not need parent information, then it would just be the student filling it out with his or her information and spouses, if that applies. Okay. And if you have multiple students, the parents have to fill out multiple forms. FAFSAs, yes. Okay. One for each student. Now, the data should be the same, but multiple right. FAFSAs, FAFSA for each student. Okay. Right. Yep. What do parents that are divorced, um, how do they handle the FAFSA? So if a parent, if you're getting ready to fill out the FAFSA and you're currently divorced or separated, and by separated, I mean living in separate households, you don't have to be legally separated, but you have to be separated by choice, living in okay. separate households, then only one parent needs to complete the FAFSA on behalf of the student. And it would be, according to federal regulations right now, it would be the parent with whom the child resided with most within the last year. And if it was a 50-50 split, then it would be the parent who provided more than half of the child's support. That's really the way to kind of figure that out. Okay. 
And one thing to just add to that, when you fill out the FAFSA, you can use the IRS data retrieval tool where you kind of log into the IRS website and transfer your tax information over. So if you happen to be divorced or separated and you file a joint tax return for 2021, it's very important that you don't use this tool because if you do that, it's going to bring in the joint information with your spouse. So you want to fill out the FAFSA manually and input just your income information. Okay. I see this mistake a lot. What is the deadline? Let, let's make sure we're we're preparing our listeners. What what's what's the hard deadline that this form needs to be filled out by? So the FAFSA technically can be so the current FAFSA that we have right now can technically be filled out through the end of June. Uh, and now here's the thing: I don't like to go by the FAFSA hard deadline because what you really need to pay attention to is your state FAFSA deadline. So every person should Google their state that they live in and look and see what their state deadline in, is and go by that. So there are deadlines starting, you know, as soon as January 15th, all the way through to like May for different states. And if there's a family that has lower income and they miss, miss that state deadline, then they aren't considered for a state grant, which could be, you know, several thousand dollars. Sure. And there's also priority deadlines. You want to check directly with the college financial aid office, especially if your student's applying early action or early decision. Those priority deadlines are sooner a lot of times than the state deadlines are. Okay. So those would be the two resources I would check. Good to know. Um, how, how do colleges determine their aid packages? What, what's, what, what's their determining factors? So what happens on colleges that require the FAFSA, the FAFSA goes to the government for cross-processing, and then the government performs what's called a federal methodology on all the information provided on the FAFSA. So the income, assets, family size, and thing like that, things like that. They then come up with a number called the expected family contribution. This is the amount of money the government expects that the student or family can contribute towards the education for just one year. This number can be very scary because it can easily be up to 30% of a family's annual income. They then send that EFC number and all those results directly to the college. And then the college financial aid office puts together a package based on their parameters around awarding financial aid and that EFC. Some colleges uh, that require the CSS profile also have a separate what they call institutional methodology that they do on the CSS profile to come up with an EFC to determine how much of their need-based institutional aid to offer. So it just kind of depends on, you know, does the college only require the FAFSA? Does it require, you know, both of both of these forms? So they're really using that expected family contribution number that the government comes up with. And that there are ways, and, and this is going to be something we explore in, in future episodes, but there are ways to um, to impact that EFC. There are strategies that can be put in place by families to to minimize or to um, to help control that EFC number, um, correct? Right, right, especially when it comes to you know, assets and money in the bank, you know, money in a student's bank account versus a parent's bank account gets hit much harder when it comes to the FAFSA. So yes, there are strategies for sure. Okay. And, and those are, those are things that our, our um, collegiate funding solutions program helps navigate. Um, so, so that we're not just saving for, but saving on college when it, when it's time. This is a question that a podcasting mentor of mine asks all the time. So I'm going to ask you, 
what should I have asked you that I haven't yet? What should you have asked me that you haven't yet? Um, when should parents start preparing for the financial aid process? Okay. So I am going to say long before the senior year on this, even sure. though my signature program is based for parents, you know, it's for parents of high school seniors, parents really should be gathering this information a lot longer, maybe, you know, when kids are younger, but especially like in middle school and early high school years, when they know their kiddo is going to head off to college, they really should start preparing and educating themselves and doing all the research they can to kind of get ready for that process. And then once their child hits senior year, they really should be actively preparing in August because October 1st, when that FAFSA is released, that's when they want to be filling it out. Okay. And, and you can help parents with, you know, what do they do if they didn't get the aid package that is necessary or that they were expecting? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I do get a lot of those phone calls and that's, we would do a financial aid appeal. I know I've learned a lot and I still have a few years to go before I'm in this process myself, but, but in, you know, helping our clients and, and, you know, specifically Gen X clients navigate this um, and, and deploying those strategies to help maximize uh, the aid packages is something that, that we are familiar with, but um, I've learned a ton in, in listening to Tina and talking with her. Um, how about you? Well, and what I liked the most is the fact that, she's teaching parents how to go about the process. Because I think my experience as a Gen Xer, much like Tina's was my parents didn't know how to do any of it. Right. And I was kind of right left there floundering on my own. I remember going to have to go to community college to sign up for my first, you know, classes. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. overwhelming. It yes, is. it is. It is. So yeah. thank you for what you do. Oh. Yes. Well, and, and we, I remember the paper. I mean, it, it, now it's not a, uh, I don't know why I remember it was a blue form whenever yes. I was in school um, mm -hmm. and having to meet my mom at the financial aid office with the blue form and go through everything. And <laughs> now it's online. That's so much that's easier. Much, yes. Um, Tina, how, how would our listeners engage your services? How do we, you know, follow your information and, and get in touch with you? Sure. So uh, my YouTube channel is a great resource. I provide a lot of information on YouTube that families will find helpful. I also have a private Facebook group called Financial Aid 101, which is a great place for parents and students to get involved so that if they have questions and they can see a lot of the conversations that happen. I also offer a free initial 10-minute consultation call for anybody that I've never worked with to answer general financial aid questions or if they want to learn more about the programs and services I provide. And then lastly, they can navigate to my website, thefafsaguru.com, and learn a lot more about who I am and what I do. And there's like a free webinar resource, Financial Aid 101 webinar resource that parents of, of uh, high school students, along with high school students, would probably find very helpful. Okay. And my email, tina at thefafsaguru.com. All of that information will be in our show notes. YouTube channel is the FAFSA guru. Um, there's a ton of content there, um, but, but make sure if you are in this situation, if you are a, a parent of um, middle school, high school age uh, student who uh, has college um, visions that you are, are learning this and, and engaging Tina and, and, and her organization um, soon so that you can not just save for, but save on college. That That's, 
that that's what's very important to understand. And, um, you know, please make sure you're, you're staying tuned to our future episodes um, in this series um, where we're talking not only about uh, accumulating assets, saving on for college, not just financial aid, but preparing your children for college um, with, with uh, some of the content that we have coming up soon. Thank you, Tina, the FAFSA guru, very, very much for joining us. Um, Thank I look you forward so much to, for to following me. your content and, and engaging with you in the future to, um, you know, help our clients and, and use your content in, in our office. Thanks so much. I love what you guys are doing. And just a Thank reminder, you. FAFSA is F-A-F-S-A. Yes. Who are listening. Yes. yes. So, Will, okay. how can people get in touch with you? Well, as always, HoffmanWealth.com. Um, if, if you are um, following us on LinkedIn, you're going to see a, a lot of content on our College Funding Solutions Program. Um, there'll be a link to that on our website. You can fill out the the data entry form to understand, uh, to get a free college report on what, what you can expect your college experience to cost. Um, so that you know, you know, how to prepare, uh, so that you know how to, to navigate that world. Um, but we're going to talk more about that in future episodes as well. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today on monetary mixtape, please like follow and share with your friends until next time. I'm Wendy McConnell. Don't bounce just yet. The streetlights haven't come on. Thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape Podcast. If you thought this episode was dope, then click the follow button to be notified when we drop a new episode. Visit our website at hoffmanwealth.com or give us a call at 724-522-5411. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hoffman Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC, investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Hoffman Wealth Management are separate entities from LPL Financial. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.